Welcome to another episode of St. Joseph's Workshop. We invite you to join us today as we explore the custom of making New Year's resolutions and discuss how families can transform this cultural practice to the benefit of their own spiritual growth. Welcome to St. Joseph's Workshop, building the church at home, a place where faith and family meet. Insight from a priest, a mother, and a whole bunch of others. I'm Emily Lugo. And I'm Father Stephen Ingram. Join us as we enter St. Joseph's Workshop. Today we are blessed to have Father Jacob Dancasa, pastor of Holy Family of Nazareth Catholic Church in Irving, join us. Father Dancasa has been a priest for over 18 years and at one point in his ministry served here at St. Joseph. In addition to his priestly duties, he is a regular contributor to the Texas Catholic newspaper and author of three books. With his newest book entitled A Spiritual Plan for Families, we thought he would be a great addition to our conversation on making spiritual New Year's resolutions. Welcome, Father Dancasa. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. You know, one of the great blessings of our time in the holidays is getting together with family getting to reconnect with people we haven't seen maybe in quite a while, or just to celebrate with the people we live with every day in a special way. But as we start looking to the new year that comes so quickly after Christmas, we also want to prepare for what that new year will hold. And a lot of us start making these kind of new resolutions for what the next year is going to look like. I'm going to be a better person than I've been in the past year. And it's a wonderful thing, but it also leads us to, you know, recognize that, you know, we need to be doing this a lot more often than just the once a year. We need to be reflecting on it in our lives as well. And we want to take this opportunity to, you know, make those resolutions something that we're truly planning to live out because a lot of us fail at doing it within the first month. Uh, but, you know, it's it's really a cultural practice. I think here in, in America, it's very strong. But Father Jacob, did you have um, a cultural practice of New Year's resolutions in Nigeria? Well, I would not call it a cultural practice. Um, it could be something that um, people are used to doing, but it's not so much cultural as to say uh, it's been required by, uh, by everybody mm-hmm. or people expect to see everybody uh give a new resolution. But in most cases, people try to make some of those resolutions. Do you personally make New Year's resolutions? I used to. (laughs) (laughs) At the time, I decided not to do it so much because I realized that um, I don't always keep it. (laughs) So what I decided to be doing is to allow the Holy Spirit to direct me and then just make some decisions in my life. And when I go through the year, I make adjustments. I'm not like holding on to it. Like uh, it has to be what I, I, I um, intended to be. So I've allowed the Holy Spirit to flow. But I think it's a very good way to, to build yourself, to plan yourself. And I think I, that greatly has, uh, has been influenced by being a priest. Because after being a priest, I thought, well, you know, a lot of things change and the Holy Spirit sometimes moves us in different direction. So I, I tend to listen to that prompting. 
even though I have my plans. Yes. <laughs> well, I think it's very common, you know, as Father Stephen mentioned, that we'll make plans and then we just find ourselves off track. And, um, you know, even in, for instance, like the fitness world, it's, there's always a joke that, okay, January 1st, the gym is going to be packed. Just give it a month and, you know, you'll get back to your equipment um, because people so quickly fall off. But hopefully in this episode, we'll talk about tangible ways that people can succeed, especially um, in creating resolutions that will help strengthen their spirituality and help them grow closer to God. Um, but Father Stephen, can you share a little bit about like where New Year's resolutions even came from? Well, you know, it, it's to some extent this this recognition that at the end of a year, we tend to focus a little more on how was this previous year? How was, you know, 2022 for me? You know, and as we come face to face with our own limitations, our own struggles, we find ourselves naturally wanting to be better people. We want to be better than we've been before. And so, you know, we take the opportunity of the new year as 2023 is going to be a much better year than 2022 was. Father Stephen in 2023 is not going to struggle with uh, nearly as much with, you know, losing weight, you know, or, you know, getting better discipline in his life. You know, 2023, Father Stephen is going to be better than 2022, Father Stephen. And, you know, having that calendar year shift gives an impetus for us to really, you know, one, hold ourselves accountable because, you know, you've got defined times when you've got that num that number ticks over. It's a natural transition point. And people, I think, naturally latch onto that as an opportunity to reflect and improve. And, you know, there's a, there's a valuable thing in that, but we also see the flip side of it where, you know, it's not always that beautiful thing that people think it's going to be because a year is a really long time and building up discipline of keeping a practice over an entire year is a really difficult thing. And so a lot of times the full year can, I think, become a little bit overwhelming um, as we're trying to focus on improving our own lives. I mean, I know I really struggle with it and, you know, I used to do New Year's resolutions, but um, I think a lot like Father Jacob, I got a little bit disillusioned when I found I wasn't able to keep up with it. And, you know, once you've missed a week in the year, it feels like you can never recover from that. And I realized it was much more important for me to have that ongoing discernment of what do I need to be working on on a regular basis rather than just focusing on it once a year. Um, and I found that a much better way to go about making those resolutions for myself. Um, but, you know, it's always good to use this new year and this practice to remind ourselves that we need to be engaging in this if we're not doing it regularly. It's a great opportunity for those of us who aren't in that habit of self-reflection to take the time to do it. You know, I, I was curious because... You know, Father Don Casa kind of hinted at maybe it's not necessarily a cultural practice, but somehow it's universal. It's just a part of being human. And as you said, this natural shift, the calendar, the new year, you know, trying to reinvent yourself. Um, and I found it curious, I actually was doing some research and, and found that this idea of New Year's resolutions 
you know, it goes back 2000 BC with the Babylonians. Um, now their calendar was different, so it wasn't January 1st, but back then they had this time where it was the start of the farming season. They were crowning their new king and they would make resolutions normally to pay off debt, but that's kind of where it started apparently. And then, um, with the Romans, they kind of adopted this, this idea of the new year and the traditions and even the month January apparently was named for the two-faced Roman god Janus, who looks forward for new beginnings as well as backward for reflection and resolution. And so, you know, ancient times people were doing this starting the new year, reflecting back on where they were and kind of trying to reinvent where they want to go. So I think it's fabulous. Um, and as you, you know, we all mention, there's different ways that you can make resolutions. Some of them can be self-improvement losing weight. I mentioned the gym. Um, but I think as Christians, this is a great opportunity that we have to really just kind of look at where do we want to go with our spiritual life? Um, and so I thought maybe with Father John Casa being our guest here, we can talk specifically about that, especially with your new book that you just um, came out with. Maybe you can talk about what was the inspiration behind that book and maybe start giving us some, some ideas that we can reflect on as we think about where we want to go with this new year. Yeah. Uh, Typically, you would ask, uh, why is a priest writing a book on family? He's not married. He doesn't have children. And how would he talk about it? But being a priest for 18 years now, I have come to, to experience families in different ways. And as a priest who has prepared young people for marriage, and people both young and old have come to me for marriage counseling, uh, sometimes people feel that you, the priest, you have all the solutions for everything, <laughs> even if you don't. But looking at all the people I have contacted, people I have talked to, with the sample size of the people that I discussed with about marriage and family, I thought I should be able to put down something pastorally, you know, something that is from the priest's perspective, from the experience we have dealing with families, to be able to say there is a need for something more. Mm -hmm. Now, one of those things I tend, I observed has been that young people preparing for marriage prepare and they tend to plan for a whole lot of things, for the reception, for the, the clothes, the wedding gown, and the, um, all the things that go with that uh, marriage day celebration. And even after that, there is a plan for savings, mm -hmm. plans for how we shall live our lives after retirement. And all these things are very beautiful. But I've come to see that many people ignore that spiritual plan. You can have all the beautiful plans you have, but if you don't have that spiritual plan, you're planning to fail. So many people beginning to complain, we, our children, we brought them up in the way of the church. They all received their sacraments, but they have all left the church. What is going on? I said, it, sometimes it's because from the very beginning, we do not have a plan to spiritually uplift our family. So I thought, putting together all the sample size of that which I have experienced with families, I should put down a book following the example of the saints who lived family. Mm -hmm. You know, there are saints who, who married, who raised children. Oftentimes we hear about the, the saints that are priests and nuns and all that. We don't seem to hear that much about saints who live ordinary life. So I picked those saints to make them an example to married people 
to model their life after those things, to be able to develop spiritual plan. And the essence of that is not so much about um, how I will be a saint. It's about how I will be holy. Sainthood is about holiness. It's not about being canonized as a saint. But the fact that I become holy and I go to heaven, that is sainthood. Whether the church canonizes me here on earth or not, I am a saint by the virtue of being in heaven. So my book was to help uh, families to realize that call to holiness. And we need to be intentional in helping our families to get into that point. So that's the essence of my book, to see how families can raise their children from the very beginning and also put themselves, the husband and the wife, in the mood of being spiritual and be an example to the children. You know, I think that's a, a great point that you mentioned that even from the very beginning as a couple is preparing for their marriage to have this in mind. Because um, I know, you know, in our conversations, a lot of what I focus on from my perspective is for people who are already in the family, you have children, where do we go from here? But I really like that idea of, you know, we put so much um, investment into planning the perfect day, the perfect gown, the perfect flowers, that we need to look beyond that. I've heard um, a saying that says, you know, don't just invite God to the wedding, invite him to the marriage. Yeah. You know, so I really like this, that you're focusing on it from the very beginning. And I'm curious, maybe for Father John Casa or Father Stephen, um, you know, are these things that you... I don't want to say counsel people, but, you know, as you meet for pe with people who are planning for their weddings, is it something that you start planting those seeds early on to tell them, you know, you need to start planning for this? Well, I think um, since I, I got this idea about this book many years ago, I started doing that with, with young couples who come to me. I, I started asking them, what are your spiritual plans? Because it's not enough to go into marriage. What do you intend to do to develop virtue? Uh, how how do you intend to educate your children? How do you intend to be an example of stewardship to your children, for instance? And how do you intend, as a parent, when difficulties come between the, the spouses, how do you intend to settle these things? Because, and even when it comes to the issue of birth, you know, sometimes you don't expect, you don't anticipate things. Sometimes you get it naturally, sometimes... It, it takes time to get children. Um, what happens when these things happen? How do you spiritually handle hardship? So I tend to, to help couples, young couples especially, to begin to think about the future in their spiritual lives, in their families. Yeah, you know, that that's a wonderful thing, especially when it comes to, you know, discerning whether it's time to get married in the first place, you know, whether it's time to get engaged. You know, a lot of times we don't see people until they've already gotten engaged. But I find that, you know, talking to younger couples who are just dating is a really helpful thing about, you know, inviting them to pray together, to see how they are helping one another to grow in holiness, because that's what a Catholic marriage is all about. It's about helping one another grow in holiness. And then as you have kids to help them grow in holiness as well, you know, because all of the sacraments are about bringing the grace of God into our lives and discerning marriage is, is God part of this relationship? Is it, you know, is he present and are we helping him to become present to yes. one another? Um, and so, you know, I find that helping people to, you know, especially as they're discerning marriage to see how are they bringing God into their relationship already? Mm -hmm. And if they find that, they're not doing it particularly well, maybe that's a sign that 
they need to either work on it or maybe that's not the right person to get married to. Exactly. They need to hear that too. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's a challenging thing to hear when, you know, our culture around us says, you know, just do what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. But when we focus on what will make you eternally happy rather than just happy in the moment, it helps you to invite the Lord to be present in everything. And I think that's the beautiful thing about bringing the spiritual side into the cultural conversation um, and doing that, especially in the family is a powerful thing because we're family, you know, for one, because of just our nature, you know, mm-hmm. after that marriage happens, the kids <laughs> that come into the life, they don't have a choice yes. about who their parents are, but they do have a choice about how they pray with their parents, how they engage in those spiritual realities that, you know, are shared by the sacraments, but go far beyond the sacraments. And so, you know, bringing our intentionality, not only to that discernment, but also to that ongoing, you know, f- you know discernment of how do we do this better and better is a, a very powerful thing. And so, Father Jacob, would you talk a little bit more about that, that plan that you lay out in your book? Yeah, a part of it is to um, also remind Christian and Catholic parents about their role as um, family spiritual leaders. Mm-hmm. It's often hard for parents to consider themselves as spiritual leaders because we, we have all sort of leadership as a father, as a mother, and we provide for our kids economically and otherwise. But we don't always remember that we are the first spiritual leaders in our families. I know we think about the priests and all that. The priests are a supporting cast to the parents as spiritual leaders. So my book is part of trying to reemphasize that aspect of parenthood, that you are a spiritual leader, and as a spiritual leader, that every Christian parent must see self as such because you have a family to head. And leadership um, as a Catholic parent involves providing authentic Catholic guidance and direction for the family. That is very important. So, um, and also I emphasize virtues. There are some major cardinal virtues that we have that we need to examine ourselves within those virtues. Then they are cardinal virtues. They are virtues that we develop, we grow with, and for us to, to be able to coexist together in the family, we need to plan on how we can appreciate and identify these virtues. And the example of the saints I mentioned in the books uh, show us some of these virtues that came out, uh, like the fortitude, for instance, you know, justice, and, and all this temperance. These are virtues, these are cardinal virtues that every Christian parent should be able to to live out for the children to emulate. So I, I can go on and on talking about my book mm-hmm. and all that, but um, I think one of the fundamental uh, structure of that book is to help uh, Christian parents to understand their role as spiritual leaders in the family. Yeah, yeah. And then that focus, I think, on the, the cardinal virtues is a beautiful thing because so often when it comes to the spiritual life, we focus on the theological virtues, mm-hmm, faith, mm-hmm. hope, and charity, right. which are beautiful things. We want those to grow in everybody. Mm-hmm. But 
a lot of times we lose sight of how practical the cardinal virtues are. Yes. We lose sight of how they impact every part of our lives and help us to live everything with God. And so, you know, focusing in on that is a beautiful way to blend the theological with the practical, mm -hmm. the religious with the secular, because all of those cardinal virtues are about how do we apply the principles that we learn from God in our everyday life. Exactly. Especially you have people looking up to you, for example. Sometimes it should force you to, you know, to be a true example through being aware of who you are and how you can live that virtue in the life of the family and so that children can see and emulate. I have a question, Father Jacob. Um, you know, you mentioned in the beginning that how many people when they have children who are young adults or out of the house um, who choose not to be a part of the church, you know, that's just devastating for the families, especially when they've raised them in an environment where they got them the sacraments and going to mass was a part of their daily life. So I'm curious, you know, I really like this idea of like focusing not just on the checklist sacraments, which are super important, but also how to be a good human being, how to, you know, live out the virtues. So do you think that's a big difference in between why people when they're older may choose to remain in the church? Is, is that peace? Or do you think that it just, you know, is differs for every person and their faith journey? Well, I think it's not going to be fair to make it look like a one kind of problem for everybody. It's, it differs. There are a lot of parents who, who work their best, who give their children the best Catholic training, and they were involved in the lives of the children. And when these children grow due to influence of the society, school, and many ways, they tend to deviate from it. So in those instances, I usually want to let parents not to feel guilty for that. And parents come to me in confessions or something and feel so guilty for, for, for their uh, grown-up children, adult children, not going to church anymore. And I said, listen, if you are able to give them the best spiritual formation and truly you're sincere and feeling honest in your heart that you did that, then free your mind from this guilt. Because right now you are not... Uh, you should not see yourself as culpable, as one who has created this condition. This adult has a choice to make, and he or she has made that choice. So I try to emphasize that. However, each time I'm doing an infant baptism, I try to tell the parents, godparents, and say, listen, let it not be because of your carelessness, because of your laxity, that this child grows up not to be in the way of God. If it is because of that, then you share in that guilt. But just try your best. Do what you can. Give that child all you can to bring the child in the ways of God. When the child grows, you hope and pray that he remains or mm -hmm. she remains. If not, then just feel at peace in your heart. You've done what you can. So uh, it's not a, a kind of one directional where everybody will have the same circumstance. But I think um, today we need to have parents and especially young parents bringing up young children to be involved in the spiritual formation of their children. That's like in, oftentimes in our parishes with our faith formation, people come drop their kids and go. And they think, well, the, the, the teachers in the church will take care of them. And the parents have no formation themselves, they have knowledge about this. And today we try to develop this family legacy, faith formation where parents are involved the formation and it's hard for many parents right. because they're very busy and all that 
But if we must really work this, we have to do the hard stuff. So parents need to really get involved in the lives, especially spiritual formation of their children. As I said, the church, the priest, the faith formation teachers are a supporting cast. Right. I love that. And, you know, it kind of all comes down to this intentionality. You know, your your whole book is, you know, making a plan. And here we are, you know, just before the new year, for many people making New Year's resolutions, is we need to make that plan. And one of the things that I found in order to be successful um, is we need to know the why. You know, what is the motivation behind what we're going to do? You know, if our plan is... I want to go to confession once a month, or I want to go to one additional mass per week. That's great. But why? Like, what is that? And I think, um, you know, as we have the days ahead of us to take time to actually reflect on that, that's going to be what will make or break these resolutions and being successful because motivation is waning, you know, even with health, like, ah, I want to be healthier. I want to get fit. But then you see that chocolate cake and <laughs> your mind can sway. It's the same with life. You know, it's not just the motivation, but if we have the why, then we could be disciplined um, and making that commitment and living it out. So I think part of, of this whole process as we look towards making New Year's resolutions is the reflection um, and whether you're, you know, a couple that is engaged and discerning to be married or a family, um, I think sitting down and actually having time together to reflect on, how was this past year? What are things that we did? And, and really focus on the spiritual aspect. How can we grow? I think that whole conversation can really help um, to just truly formulate the why before you get into the nitty gritty. Okay, what's the plan? What are the details? Yeah, that that why is such a, a powerful thing because, you know, when when you do start struggling with things, reminding yourself of why am I doing this in the first place is a very powerful motivator. Uh, you know, I, I found in my own spiritual life, you know, there are times when I struggle to do the things that I've committed to do, you know, in my plan, you know, and one of the, the biggest struggles many times when I get really busy is, you know, getting in the liturgy of the hours, you know, mm -hmm. we're required to do it as priests. But, you know, a lot of times I, I struggle with getting it in and sometimes it's the last thing I do in the day. But I always, you know, whether I feel like it or not, force myself to do it, not just because I have the obligation, but because as I've paid attention to the obligation, I've learned that if I'm not doing this, I'm not going to get all the spiritual benefits that I need. As I'm praying the Psalms in the Liturgy of the Hours, I find that it brings things out of my heart that I wasn't fully aware that were there, you know, and... It helps me to connect better with God when I'm doing these practices, and it helps me to be more fulfilled in my ministry, recognizing that I'm bringing everything, all the burdens to the Lord on a regular basis. And I think finding that why behind making those spiritual plans is a powerful thing for those times when it is a struggle, because there will be times when it's a struggle. And, and let me add this, you know, usually whenever it comes to the end of the year and the beginning of the year and I and I, I, I preach about resolutions, I try to make an emphasis, which I want to also emphasize to our audience to hear. And this is the fact that why is it that sometimes that our resolutions fail? And this is because, for me, the difference between a resolution and a wish. Mm. No, oftentimes we tend to confuse the two and put them together. That's a wish. 
The wish is to identify something, what you want. A resolution is to take steps to fulfill that which you have identified. Now, many of us have stopped at the point of wishes, and we think they are resolutions. And as such, when we go ahead in the year, it fails. Now, this, like, this is an example. I can say, well, I want to, I want to lose weight this year. Well, that is somebody will say, my resolution is to lose weight this year. But that is actually a wish. Now, for you to make this a resolution is for you to say, well, for me to lose this, to lose weight, I will register in the gym. I will go ever this hour, spend this amount of time, and try to do it this amount of time in a week. Now, you take concrete steps and identify how you will achieve it. Now, when we bring this to spiritual life, is I want to pray more this year. How do you want to do that? I have to identify steps to do that. When I wake up in the morning, I want to make sure that the first thing I do is to pray. Because if I start doing other things, I will forget. When I come back before I lay to bed, I will pray. And when I'm on my way to work, I probably might say a decade of the rosary. Now you are identifying the concrete steps you are taking to pray. So if we do not identify those steps to, to achieve that which we wish, we only remain in the stage of wishes and we think they are resolutions. And many of us are on that stage on January 1st. And that's why on Jan- January 31st, we no longer have those resolutions mm-hmm. anymore. So I think we need to go beyond wishes and get into resolutions, really. Yeah. You know, um, so this last year with my family, we, on on New Year's um, Eve, after, you know, we do the countdown and we're into the new year, January 1st, 1 a.m., we actually will share aloud the different resolutions that we're making for the year with one another. So this last year, I thought I did a better job at it. I was writing down what everyone else was saying with the intention to hold people accountable. <laughs> Didn't quite get there. But now I learned, okay, in order to do this, I think that's a great idea. But, you know, as a family, if we want to support one another, okay, maybe we do have it where it's visible. Like, what are the resolutions that we want for a family? And then, as you said, Father John Costa, like, let's be specific about it. So if our resolution is, I want to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet at 3 p.m. every day. Okay, well, let me put it in my calendar as a reminder. And then maybe at the end of the month, let's check in. Let's let's look exactly. at our resolutions and ask, Very hey, important. you said you wanted to do this. Have you been doing it? And, and if not, okay, well, what's the big stumbling block? It doesn't mean that it was a bad idea or you have to just throw it away. Like, you could still do it, but... Holding one another accountable for it, I think, is one of the big steps for doing that. Um, holding yourself accountable, you know, if you put it in your your calendar, it'll it'll remind you. But I think being able to actually share that with others is something that can really be good for making it happen. And just to add to in, in my book, at the end of every chapter, I presented some questions, some kind of um, discussion question in the family, how to keep ourselves accountable, those things we need to do. So those questions or those discussions are to help families going through the different chapters in the book to to be able to see how are we meeting to these things. It's not about reading the book. I don't want my book to be another novel mm-hmm. that we can just read. I want it to be a book that we'll read and take steps to achieve them. So those questions that follow are always questions that we can sit at a fam- as a family to discuss them and then find a way of holding ourselves accountable towards them. Do you, let me ask you this book, is it something that you think um, it makes it sound like families can be able to use it as a living resource together? Is it something that a small f- 
you know, prayer group could do it with one another as well? Or is it, do you think it's more specifically for the family? Well, uh, it's, it's all inclusive because I feel that, um, like mo- moms, for instance, coming together, moms with young children, they, they could have a cycle of friends or a group of discussion, um, families of men who want to discuss, they can read this book. I know the, the men's uh, group in St. and Holy Family are uh, reading the book right now, you know, trying to talk to themselves and, and see how as men, what will they do to achieve those different uh, suggestions made in this book. So it's, it's for families, but of course, families live in every dimension of our lives. So if we have a group of moms coming together to discuss that, that would be very important, or a group of dads uh, discussing that, that would be very important. So it's meant for such, for such growth. Yeah, you know, and it's it's important to remember that, you know, the the spiritual realities of making a plan, you know, are are applicable no matter what setting you're in. So if you're not, you know, married, if you're not in family life, if you're single living by yourself, you know, there is a way for you to learn a lot from just taking the time to plan out your spiritual plan, even if you don't have a lot of other people around to share that with, you know, finding a small group that you can share with, you know, gives you that accountability a little more than, you know, you would just going through it on your own. There are ways to adapt this to whatever state of life you happen to be in, even if it's not immediately applicable exactly as it's written in the book. You know, we can always learn more from these different sources, you know, just like, you know, we can learn about family life from priests and religious. We can learn about religious life from lay leaders. We we all have the observation, you know, to be able to say this is something valuable that isn't just particular to this person or this state of life, but something that I can bring into my own life. We can all learn from one another no matter what state of life we're in. Yeah, you brought up a very important point for those who are single, who are not married. And of course, we may not have children to look up to us, but we live in a society where people look up to us as Christians and as Catholics. So having those virtues, those uh, those ways of life that will help us to live as concrete example of Jesus with a plan that helps us to grow in our faith is very important. So it goes beyond just families, of course, we talk about family as a concentration because it's a nucleus. It's, we grow from there. But individuals who live alone can be an example of a family to whoever they meet, mm-hmm. and Christian individual family that we are as as members of the church. Yeah, and that that's one of the beautiful things. I, I loved uh, St. John Paul II's image of the family being the microcosm of the church. It's the smallest individual unit of the church, but that means that the entire church is made up of families and is family as a result. And so no matter what context we're in within that broader family of the church, we can find a way to put this into practice. Yes, very correct. 
One of the things I want to encourage people is, is also to imagine, you know, our spiritual life as a journey. You know, it's a marathon. It's, it's a long distance. It's not something that we're going to achieve right away. You know, anyone who wants to run a marathon, you can't just get out and on day one, run 26 no. miles. <laughs> like, you know, little by little, it takes training. You have to stretch those muscles. And so, you know, if your why is, okay, I want to make it to heaven one day with the Lord. Awesome. But don't think that you have to be a saint by December 31st, 2023, like this is a long journey. So make things, decisions that are attainable and achievable just to help give you those wins. Um, you know, if it's, I want to be able to, you know, read more, I want to be able to understand what the Lord is saying in the Bible, then, you know, you can do, okay, well, I'll read 10 minutes a day of scripture, or I'll listen to Father Mike Schmidt's, you know, Bible in a year podcast, like make little little things that are achievable, you know, and each year you can, you know, increment what it is that you're hoping to gain. Um, and, you know, I, I really like this idea, Father John Cost, that you're talking about with the virtues, because if you look on your, let's say this last year and you say, okay, one of the things that I recognize is I'm, I'm really um, hesitant to serve others. You know, I'm really selfish of my time. Well, maybe if you want to grow in that, you can maybe look to one of the saints like St. Teresa of Lisieux or the little way. And that could be part of your spiritual growth this year is, you know, how do I love those and the, love other people and the little things, so, you know, you, so you can in reflecting on maybe where your weaknesses are, you can try to grow and learn from the examples of the saints before us. So I, I really like that idea. Um, I want to ask you, like, what of the saints that you have in there, is there um, anyone in particular who you feel like is just something that everyone, every, you know, family needs to read about and learn about to be a holy family? Well, um, about three of the saints there, some of them are actually in the process of becoming saints like venerables. Uh, examples, especially for younger families that are struggling with the issue of today, which definitely is the issue of abortion and which is a very big issue of decision-making, and what do we do at this point? Now, uh, saints like St. Gianna uh, Mola and also the Venerable Elisabetta Tasca Serena that I discussed in that book gave us an example of courage, example of people who, who knew the dignity of the human person and who were ready to, to value that human sense of life. Um, of course, as Catholic. We're Catholics, we need to look at these moral issues, not just politically, but spiritually. Mm -hmm. And so these sense really, for me, are an example of uh, especially young families that are still struggling today, are trying to, to discern what do we do at this very serious time of decision between life and death and my faith? How do I decide? I would encourage them to read that book and to read uh, about those sense, even beyond what is presented in the book. To see how these saints really look at it and hand it over themselves to God. Sometimes uh, we are what God makes us to be. And the decisions we think we can just make out of the blues, they need to be spiritually and well reflected upon and allow the Holy Spirit to direct us on that. So I think uh, at this time that many families are struggling with moral decisions, uh, these saints will be typically an ex uh, some examples that... I would love, especially young families, to be able to, to emulate. Yeah, that's really beautiful. You know, the the saints, the 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 variety of saints give us so many opportunities to reflect on, you know, is this something that, you know, is some 
you know, an, an element that I can bring to bear in my own life. Is there something that this saint did that can encourage me in living my life of faith? Is there something that they struggled with that I'm struggling with? And if they made it, I can make it too. You know, and that's one of the great witnesses that we have, you know, being able to pull so many of these valuable things, these valuable virtues Mm -hmm. that they lived so well in their lives into our own lives so that we can grow to be like them and with them in God's heavenly kingdom. And so, you know, with, with those kinds of tools in mind, I think, you know, Emily, do you have any tools for this episode that you want to suggest to our families? Yeah. Well, before I jump to jump into that, I just want to offer one, well, maybe this could be a tool, but one more thing for families who are struggling or need a little bit more ideas for, how, you know, what type of resolutions to make. Um, for the last couple of years, there's been kind of rolling around the Pope Francis's New Year's resolutions. And these are, you know, a list of 10 resolutions that come from just the different um teachings that he's given, the different talks and homilies, and it's kind of boiled down. And it's really beautiful because it's a mixture of Catholic social teaching, Beatitudes, Commandments. Um, So I'm just going to read those 10, but I really encourage our listeners, if there's something that of interest to you, look it up online because there's a lot more depth behind this. Um, But those resolutions, number one, don't gossip. Number two, finish your meals. Number three, make time for others. Four, choose the more humble purchase. Number five, meet the poor in the flesh. Number six, stop judging others. Number seven, befriend those who disagree. Eight, make commitments such as marriage. Number nine, make it a habit to ask the Lord. And 10, be happy. So I guess my tool number one is take a look at that for inspiration, um, just to see how the Lord may be calling you this this upcoming year to grow closer to him. Okay, And let me just add this to, um, to our uh audience listening at home, that even the saints we talk about, they were not saints when they did all that they did. They were just humans, Mm -hmm. just living their lives, but they lived it in such an extraordinary way. So sometimes when we talk about the saints, we're not talking about some superhumans. We're talking about humans like us who lived even lives of failure sometimes, you know, lives of struggle. And when we look at them, we now find ourselves in them and even our struggles in them and then see how they they go through or they went through these struggles. And today we call them saints, not because uh, they, they knew they were going to be saints, just because they, they pursued holiness. So we need to be encouraged by them and do not view ourselves as really incapable of getting to that point because they were like us when they did what they did and we can even do more. That's a great reminder. <laughs> you know, it's again, it's like part of the journey and um, just to remember that, that they were human too. So my tool number two is going to be make a spiritual plan. And for those of you listening, go out and buy a copy of Father Duncas's book, A Spiritual Plan for Families. He has a template on there that can help you as you plan out your resolutions for this coming year. Father Stephen, do you have any last tools? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think reflecting on, you know, just the the situation in our lives, you know, that we find ourselves in, especially, you know, since a lot of this is focused on families for the people that are not living with their families, who don't have that built in accountability, you know, finding a group that you can be accountable to whether it be a group of friends or a group at church, finding a group that can help you 
to make those commitments, not just to yourself, but to other members of who, who have your best in mind, who have your good in mind. That's such a powerful thing that, you know, that's to some extent why the Lord brought us into a church, because it's not just about our individual growth. It's about our growth within the community. And so when we engage well in that community, we find that we're built up by one another. And so, you know, if you don't have that group yet in, you know, whether it's built in or you've got to go and find it, find a group that you can be accountable to so that your spiritual growth isn't just left up to your own whims. Well, Father Dancasa, thank you so much for joining us today on your day off. I appreciate it so much. It's so good to see you, and I just thank you for all the good work that you're doing to help build up God's kingdom. It's my pleasure to be here, and it's my pleasure to talk with uh, you and for those who are listening at home. Well, as we finish this episode, we always ask the Lord for his blessings and especially for the intercession of our patron, St. Joseph, So let us pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. St. Joseph. Pray for us. Head of the Holy Family. Pray Pray for for us. Glory of family life. Pray Pray for for us. Cornerstone of families. Pray Pray for for us. us. Protector of the Holy Church. Pray Pray for for us. us. O God, who in your inexpressible providence were pleased to choose St. Joseph as spouse of your most holy mother, Grant, we pray, that we who revere him as our protector on earth may be worthy of his heavenly intercession, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you who are listening and all of us gathered together in faith. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of St. Joseph's Workshop. Remember, we are all a work in progress, so be sure to tune in next time to gain new tools to help you build the church at home.